I believe in Christ, he is my king. With all my heart to him I'll sing. I'll raise my voice in praise and joy, in grand amens my tongue employ. Scriptures reveal the divine desires of the Lord in our behalf. Each of us should have a burning desire to search the scriptures diligently and daily to seek the will of the Lord in our life. Brothers and sisters, on very thin pages, thick with meaning, are some almost hidden scriptures. Hence we are urged to search, feast, and ponder. If you are lonely, please know you can find comfort. If you are discouraged, please know you can find hope. If you are poor in spirit, please know you can be strengthened. If you feel you are broken, please know you can be mended. Hi everyone, welcome to Go and Do. Um, this lesson will be covering First Nephi verses, or chapters 11 through 15. Um, we'll be talking about pondering to gain answers to our prayers. Uh, a little bit about the interpretation of Lehi's dream that Nephi receives. Uh, Satan's counterfeiting of the gospel through the great and abominable church. Uh, the all-encompassing nature of the gospel and of the church of Jesus Christ. And the importance of the Book of Mormon as a testimony of Jesus Christ and in our lives. I'm Daniel. And I'm Feely. And I'm Elaine. Yes, we're joined by Elaine Weber, who will um, share with us a lot of her thoughts and her testimony. So just a, a brief summary of um, what happens in these chapters is that uh, Nephi goes and, and he wants to get more information about what his father saw in, in his vision of the Tree of Life. And um, a couple of things that were interesting to me... Um, he says that he was kind of caught up in the spirit and it took him to a high mountain and he was pondering, right? Pondering took him to a high mountain and it just kind of brings to the forefront how pondering is a very proactive activity. It's a, it's an action verb, right? It's yeah. not just, we often think about pondering as just thinking deeply or sitting and part of it is that, but I think it had a lot to do with study. I think it had a lot to do with conversation with one another with his brothers with his father with his mother with his with the family of Ishmael you know whoever it may have been just kind of saying what do you think about this what did you feel when dad was talking about this you know um, and then in the process it he ended up at, the, at a high mountain and, and he started to pray and got an answer um, in the form of a vision and for several chapters, it's this very elaborate and detailed vision. So it's, it's a really very cool. much almost like an interview. Yeah, he's asked. Uh, I know. You know, first, do you believe what your father saw? Uh, and I think that's an important thing for us to remember that Nephi was not going to get clarification of this vision because he didn't believe his dad. He wanted it to, for himself. Yeah. And I think that with us. We have to remember that when general conference comes up. If something comes up that we want more clarification about, it isn't that we're not believing our prophets. 
It's that we want to know more about what, how important it is for us, or for those around us. And so I think that this is an important part of, of this, of, with the scriptures, is mm-hmm. just to know that. No, it's okay. It's all right. <laughs> yeah, the, the act of asking for clarification or further knowledge, that's not saying, well, I don't believe this, or if I, if I did believe it, I wouldn't have to ask. Right. That's not true. No. You are actually invited to ask all the time, you know. Uh-huh. I just, I just love that, and I love that because we know that Nephi is faithful, that he is obedient, that he does follow what his dad says, and yet he wants more clarification. Which yeah. is I mean, in in chapter eleven, in the first verse, right away, it says, "I had a desire to know the things that my father had seen." Believing that the Lord was able to make them known unto me. Uh-huh. That's another key. <laughs> Just believing. You have to believe that he's going to answer what, you, what you're wanting. And, and it doesn't say how long he was pondering. Mm-hmm. It was for several days. No. And, but it's a, it reminds me a lot of Joseph Smith, you know, when yes. he, he sought to, to know which church was true. And he thought about it as he was eating, as he was working on the field. You know, it was a process. Right. And don't you think about that when you're doing your lessons and things that you're kind of pondering along? The big thing to me, however, is that he went to a higher place. And a higher place usually indicates a holier place. And so you don't sit in the middle of of Murray Holiday Road, right. <laughs> trying to ponder about some <laughs> some well, really and they didn't have things. a synagogue or a temple no. or anything like that to use, and so the next closest thing was a mountain, right? right. Um, isolation, it's right. elevated, yes. right? It's this place where you can be in solitude. Um, I I think a lot about when when I'm driving. Sometimes I'll either want to be listening to something music or a podcast or something like that. And then there's days when I'm just a little bit heavy mm-hmm. and I just drive in silence Yes, because I'm like, I just need to, to think. And sometimes I'll talk to myself, you know, what, what are you feeling about this? Why are you stressed out about this? In the sense that I'm try- trying to work through these ideas and these, you know, frustrations or, or challenges. And there's so many things that want your attention that will pull you away from the ability to ponder Absolutely. so many distractions Sometimes you have to force yourself to have a little bit of solitude. Yep, that's correct. And in my old age, I've realized that more and more. (laughs) And what I want to do, actually, when I'm traveling like that is to have a little microphone or something to record my feelings and my thoughts at that time because um, I don't, I lose them. Yeah. You know, um, afterwards. Yeah, I, I find it interesting that Lemon and Lemuel are almost always jealous of Nephi. Mm-hmm. <laughs> jealous that, oh, or, or they think, or they feel threatened by him. Mm-hmm. He, he received an answer, or he thinks he, he's better than us. Or our father says, you know, he's going to rule over us. And, and, but I, you know, in my heart, I feel like they have, this opportunity was open to them as well. Yes. They weren't passed up. And the Nephi Lord, says that right. to them. 
And he's many, yeah. And he says, "How can I? You're a younger brother. It's supposed to be you that are the <laughs> example, right?" And I and and I see that very often in our day. We often say, "How can so and so be favored, or why why them? Why not me?" And and oftentimes we can fall into kind of a victim mentality, and not say, "When did I go to my high mountain?" When did I ponder these things? When did I, in a way, kind of pay the price? Because mm-hmm. the Lord in the New Testament, he, he constantly tells us, seek, thirst after righteousness. Not just, you're, you would like just a little water. No, thirst after that's righteousness. Right. Seek. And I think that's important to know in our day that it requires effort. And effort is a disposition of our heart, showing where our heart really is. <clears throat> And it's a demonstration of our faith. If we have faith, you'll open that Book of Mormon and you'll read. Even though it may feel hard, it's not as easy as turning on the TV, right? You know, there's just something to it that I thought it's it's interesting because I feel like all these great opportunities that Nephi had, Lemon and Lemuel could have had. we have. We have those opportunities as well. And I think that, again, it is not an easy, not always an easy process. Sometimes I've gotten instant answers to my prayers, but sometimes it's taken a long time. And I think that part of that is that sometimes I casually inquire Mm. rather than deeply inquire. And so there's a difference on a level of where you are. And I think that despite the fact that I have taught the Book of Mormon and I've read the Book of Mormon many times, there have been on different levels that I have done that. And so I think that we have to remember that we have to truly want it. We want to, we have to desire that fruit. We want, we want it badly and we want to know what it is. And our needs are different every time, too. Yes. Like the kind of answer we need changes also. Yes. We're not always in need of a three-hour-long vision, right. right? Sometimes all we need is some peace. And one of the things I noticed was that in First Nephi chapter 2, verse 16, um, is another time when Nephi has been pondering about some things and goes to the Lord. And it says, Can pass that I, Nephi, being exceedingly young, nevertheless being large in stature, and also having great desires to know the mysteries of God, wherefore I did cry unto the Lord, and behold, he did visit me and did soften my heart, and I did believe all the words which had been spoken by my father, wherefore I did not rebel against him like unto my brothers. All he wanted was a confirmation, peace in his heart, and he was ready to move on. He didn't really go after every single time I want the vision, right? Well, it's a process, you know, in that one, he needed his heart softened yep. and he needed to know he could believe the words of his father. In this vision or in this spiritual experience, he believes his father. Now he just wants to know what it means. Yep. And so, and I think we also need to go through that process. We need to first know, is the Book of Mormon true? And is Joseph Smith the prophet of the restoration? And is President Nelson the current prophet. Once we know that, then we dive into what they're saying and say, how does this apply to me? How does it make sense? It's baby steps. And this is 
the same with reading the Book of Mormon, but also General Conference. I always think of myself at General Conference and the scriptures. And how often do we sit there and we, we listen to conference and we go, oh, this is wonderful. Oh, this speaker is just great. And then it's gone. Hmm. We don't pursue it after that. And so I think that inquiring of the Lord, what what is it that we're supposed to do? And I love the um, this this vision about the tree of life because it shows us distinctly what we're supposed to be doing. I mean, it is our way. It's our way of getting back to our Heavenly Father. And so, therefore, it's right here. Yeah. And sometimes it seems simple to say that. Right. And I think sometimes we're on a spectrum where we're way there, you know, and we're just really into it, and it's exciting, and it's joyful. But there are other times in our lives when we're not. So I think that along our process, we can go up and down a bit, and that we have to go back to this lesson of what we're supposed to do. Right. What we're supposed to do. If we're feeling uncomfortable. I know that whenever I was feeling depressed or unhappy about something, it was usually because I wasn't reading the scriptures. I wasn't, you know, I would go to church. I do all of the things that you're supposed to do, but not with the heart behind it. And uh, you find that you get discouraged at that point. Yeah. So this is such a great lesson about what to do how to do it. I love it that that the Spirit asks questions of of Nephi. Yeah, you know? and, and the first question being, what desirest thou? Yeah. Doesn't he know that, right? Doesn't what I mean? He think. knows that. So why does he why is that the first question he asks? What desirest thou? And does that not clarify <laughs> what we want? It's like tell me, tell me specifically, tell me exactly what do you want to know? Mm -hmm. And then there's a little bit of vision that happens. He gets some information, and then he asks him again, yeah. eight verses later, what desirest thou? It's like, do you want to know more, or is that enough? Right. Do you want to go deeper than this, or are you good? You know? I, I sense a difference between being told and being trained. Yeah. I think Nephi's being good. trained yes. on how to think. Yeah. What Sometimes knowing what the right question is is almost... It's the only way to get the answer you want. Yeah. And that's one of the things that fascinates me is in the topical guide under prayer, the definition of prayer, and we, we use this a lot in our mission, was prayer is not necessarily, you know, like a shopping list. It's learning to ask what is the right thing you need? What's the right question? You know, I, I love the vision of the tree of life and front and center to this vision is the tree, mm -hmm. this beautiful tree. And that is one of the things Nephi wants to know. What does this tree mean? I think that the the focus constantly going back, I mean, he kind of gives a, a brief synopsis of here's what this means, here's what that means. Mm -hmm. But then when he asks him the second time, what desirest thou? It's like, okay, that's the interpretation of the dream. That's what the symbols represent. That's the metaphor. Now, what do you want to know about that? Right. And basically, that's when it really opens up into a bigger picture view of the gospel.
And it's like the tree of life is Christ. And here, do you know the condescension of God? You know, and he starts walking him through. Here's what, here's the metaphor. Now here's the context for all of that. And here's what it means for you, you know, and here's what it means for mankind. And what does it mean for all of us as children of God? And it's, it's really interesting to be, to think about when we get an answer um, to a prayer, to a question that we have about the gospel, are we satisfied with just kind of knowing the answer or are we like, okay, I'm willing to, I want to know more. I want to dig deeper. I want to, I want to have more insight into what that means for me. Um, and our Heavenly Father is very willing and ready to give us that. He wants, he wants us to ask those questions and, and to dig further. Um, and it's not necessarily about deep doctrine, right? He doesn't really share anything that's like really bizarre. He's just like, hey, um, Christ came down, was born to a virgin. He taught and he did this. He died on the cross, you know, and, and showed him the whole life of Christ. And he appears in the Americas to your descendants and all this stuff. So it's very simple and precious things. That's exactly, that's what I was going to say. You know, and reading the, the Bible this past year and then coming to the Book of Mormon, aren't you excited that how simple it is, really for easy for us to understand if we want to understand? I just, um, and I also was thinking about with the Tree of Life and we have the, the fruit which is delicious to the taste, we all have different things that we need. And so we'll pick off some of that fruit, but it's specific for us. We've got general kinds of things like the condescension of, of Jesus Christ and coming to the earth and the atonement and all of these basic kinds of things. But there are other things that happen to us individually that is from that fruit. Mm -hmm. And I love that. I love the idea that, you know, what you pick off the tree is not necessarily what I'm going to pick off the tree hmm. as my fruit. And that it's specific for each one of us. Right. I just, ah, it's just exciting. <laughs> that's what I love too about, you know, the tree of life is, it's joy. It is joy there that you feel. And I think about that when we try to, um, when we're talk, talking about spreading the gospel and, um, and, uh, and sharing this with other people is, if our joy is so much that we can show that joy to other people, we hope that they will desire to want to know more about what makes us so joyful, what yeah. makes us happy. So the gospel is a happy, it's a happy, yeah. happy time. They call it the good news, it right? It is. <laughs> it is. Yeah. And when I was, when I was, um, had my conversion process and I became a member of the church, they would have my husband and myself go on with the missionaries to teach other people. And not only was that enlightening for us because we were learning still, but I think that part of our, our joy because of joining the church was passed on, and they wanted that to be passed on to other people right. so that they would desire that fruit. We've got to, and that's the way we should be. We should never be, hmm, 
oh, I've got to study the scriptures, you know, type <laughs> thing. Oh, I've got to do the Come Follow Me program. It should always be a happy time, even if you don't get to everything like someone else. I'm in a different stage of my life than you are. Yeah. I can dedicate more time to studying the scriptures than you can, but you can have the same joy that I have. Definitely. I like um, what you mentioned about we all get something different. But, um, you know, at the beginning, one of the first verses of the lesson, um, right, right at the introduction, says, When God has a monumental work for his prophets to do, he often gives that prophet a monumental vision that helps him understand God's purposes for his children. And I was thinking about that as you were talking, and, and I thought, you know, it's the same with us. When we have a monumental thing to do, God can give us a vision, mm -hmm. a purpose, an understanding, a clarity. Because I, I view people in the workplace. For example, we all maybe have to do a menial job. We all have to shovel snow. But some will do it gladly. Some will do it grudgingly. And some will just do it just to get by. And, and I think part of happiness is knowing what the purpose is, and even at times how menial things lead to greater things. You know, it, one of these, we're, we're, we've been given a vision of what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to seek learning, education, uh, develop a family. All of those things do not play out the same, mm -hmm. you know. A family may come later or not at all, but it doesn't mean you can't have a family-like relationships. It doesn't mean you can't help somebody else with their family, you know. And we we kind of feel like these our purposes are are all or nothing. It, I, my life has to turn out exactly how I envision it in the movies or how people post on Facebook. And it's no the gospel of happiness is a gospel that will find the savior is so powerful he will take you wherever you are and enhance your life exactly well it's part of that training you were talking about that nephi went through that a lot of times we're going through a difficult challenge in our lives and we think of it as this why is this happening to me this isn't fair or whatever and it's like maybe this is a training course for the future mm -hmm. you're needed to do bigger and better things but you're not ready yet Right. And so you kind of have to go through these things to learn what you need to learn and also to prove that you have the faith necessary to be uh, responsible for bigger and better right. things. We always talk about challenges as or trials that, you know, some trials are self-inflicted, our, own, mm -hmm. our own mistakes and problems and pride. Some are inflicted by others and some kind of just happen because we're in a fallen state and it's just part of life, right? But I see people who go through really tough situations and the ones that come out of it, sometimes that trial, and this is my opinion, sometimes that trial wasn't for them, but so much, it was more so they would learn how to help someone else through that trial. I see so many people who are in bad situations or, or, or marriages or, or, or abusive scenarios or health issues and they come out of it and then when somebody else is going through a trial you can sympathize you can help you can and it's amazing because 
when you help someone else, then that trial starts to make sense to you, mm-hmm. why you had to go through it. So you can exactly. be there for someone. And you learn a little bit about the atonement when that happens. Hmm. Christ went through all these things, not for him, but for us, so he could succor us. And I think there's a little bit in that that we need to learn. You know, as it says here in the second section, it says, God sent Christ, Jesus Christ, as an expression of his love. Mm-hmm. Yes. And him being perfect and being loved by all of us, that we trusted him, that he would fulfill his mission. He had to go through some terrible things, more terrible than we will ever have to go through. So he can show the Father's love to us. And sometimes we go through hard times and we need to kind of think about it in that sense. Maybe it makes no sense. Maybe you didn't choose this. Maybe this is happening to you. But there will be a day when that trial and that experience will be a blessing that you can love someone else for it. You know, for me, I think very much about, you know, I I never had an ideal father. And uh, and my situation with my father wasn't the greatest. But now that I have boys and kids, I know how I want to treat them. So we can take diverging paths. We can take the Lemon and Lemuel path (laughs) that says, God doesn't tell me things. Or or, Laban is more powerful. He has 50 men. Why (laughs) not can he slay us, right? Or you can take the Nephi path that says, I believe God is more powerful than Laban and his tens of thousands, and he can make things known unto me. And that is the difference. God is so loving, he wants both of them to come to him. And we see that all in our lives. Right. It's it's an attitude, and our experiences do teach us certain things and what you want to do with it. I can remember when I had a really bad adolescence and a bad relationship with my dad and I really I did not like him I hated him and and I wondered why do I have to go through this what is it why do I have to do this and then a lady um, had been uh, she had been attacked and assaulted and she by uh, a man in Florida and she ended up being blind and all kinds of things and her attitude was, this man took away one day of my life, but he's not going to take away anything else. I'm going to have joy in my life. And um, I thought about that in regards to my father and thought, yes, I cannot do anything about what happened during that period of time, but what can I do now to make sure that I am happy? And then that led to other kinds of things where I was able to forgive my dad and I was able to move on with my life. And so it is, you wonder why you're going through these things, but it's for purpose. There is a purpose in it. Whether it was a good thing that they did or a bad thing that they did, you can learn and you can help other people as well. And that's what our purpose is in life is to love our Heavenly Father and love our neighbors. And that's that tree of life <laughs> is to love. It's to be and and I love it too, as you as we noticed in the 
earlier chapters with um, Lehi's Tree of Life that he, his first thought after partaking of the fruit was what? Do you remember? It was to share it. It was to share it with his family. And so, um, and I think about that. That is something we want to do. And that is not just with family, but with our neighbors as well. We want to share our love. They may never be interested in the gospel, but we want them to be, do we want to share our love? with them so that they'll have a good experience that they will know what love really is yeah i i think part of it is also we want to have these experiences learn from them so that we can help others but also when the when the challenge begins recognize that there are others who have already been through it Mm -hmm. and who have already learned from it and that they are willing to help you also it's not um I think it, our pride gets in the way sometimes where we want to say, oh, I can I can handle it or this is just I, they don't need to know my problems or whatever. And yeah, maybe going around telling everyone constantly what your problems are isn't the best route. But you need to acknowledge that there are people who have been through similar situations that you have. And you you can either just try and hack it through yourself or you can have them as a as a resource you know what did you do and maybe they can say i did this and it was not the right way to go right you need to try something else this is what i ended up doing and it was way better don't fall into that pitfall right but i think our our pride gets in the way a lot of times of us just being willing to be humble enough to say i don't know what i'm doing and i'm very confused and i'm kind of flailing here i need help from people around me, not necessarily just from God, but there's people around us that are, you know, his hands here on earth mm-hmm. and his heart here on earth and who can be a shoulder to cry on when we need it or another set of hands to help us push when we need that. So, Don't you think that's what ministering to is all about? <laughs> exactly. If we do ministering uh, the way that it should be done and following Christ, my, uh, it's just one of those things where you think, yeah, we we know that we're here to help other people and we're to experience certain experiences so that we can uh, we can we can increase our our testimonies so that we will be strong in our testimonies. But so that but it's not good enough to just keep that testimony for ourselves. But we're supposed to be out there ministering to other people as well whether they accept the gospel or not you just minister that's the part of charity right Mm -hmm. so we have this the the triple threat which is (laughs) faith hope and charity Mm -hmm. right faith leads us to seek the lord seek his commandments hope to me helps bridge the gap between where i am and where i know i should be and charity is I put it into action. And I start viewing others as not in their deficiencies, but they're in the journey mm-hmm. with us. Mm-hmm. And whether they come at the 12th hour or they've like the parable of the laborers or they're there the whole day or they come at the end, I will love them and accept them nonetheless because I'm so pleased that I can be counted among his disciples, that I, there's a place for me and I'm so grateful for that, that I don't exclude anyone else 
whatever path they took, I'm just happy they're there as well, or hopeful that they'll be there. Um, the next part I want to bring up is is a is a is a tough one to explain, and I I think on my mission it was one when you brought it up. It's very important for people to understand the principle of why they saw the great and abominable church. Okay, uh, President Oaks he he quotes and explains on here. Great and abominable church described by Nephi represents any philosophy or organization that opposes the beliefs in God. And that and the captivity into which this church seeks to bring the saints will not be so much physical confinement as the captivity of false ideas. Yeah, and notice church is in quotation marks yeah. as and, being like any ideology, right? It's right, not necessarily a the, here's the address of the place you need to right. be aware of, right? <laughs> to, to them, to them is explained as a very, it, it feels at times like a very specific church that then took what the apostles wrote and, and picked and ripped some of the plain and precious things. But that has already happened. Yeah. To us, it can be anything that creates false ideas or takes us away from the iron rod takes our vision away from the tree and distracts us. Right. Even, Even things that are arguably good. Yeah. And things that may come from people in the church. It's not just exactly people outside right. the church. It's things that we have to be always aware. The one thing with the great and abominable church was when I was studying and, and um, in my conversion process, I felt like they were referring to the Catholic Church, which I belonged to before, and I, I really resented that. I resented that implication that it was the Catholic Church. And so I love that this has been explained further, that it isn't just, you know, a church necessarily. It is, you know, different factors and different things that come up, and I love that you say, yeah, it can be television. Television gives us a lot of information. And um, I know that when I am sometimes feeling a little lonely or something, I will uh, go to Netflix mm. and I will f choose a, a movie that I feel is a good movie until you get into it. <laughs> and then when, as you're getting through it, as you're going through it, you know, the thoughts come, should I be watching this? And I think that as soon as that thought comes, that you probably shouldn't be watching it. And I thought about that because the other night, that's exactly what happened to me. I was having a hard time sleeping, and I had done all my scripture reading and all of the things, and then I went to Netflix. Well, what a waste of time. And also the thoughts that come into mind. And so it does, it, it draws you away from the broad of iron, you know. And I love the iron rod analogy thing because, I don't know, have you ever been to Atlanta, Georgia? Have you I have, yeah. Did you go up Stone Mountain? I've been, yeah, I've been around Stone Mountain, yeah. Yeah, when you're going up Stone Mountain, there's a rod of <laughs> iron in the middle of the mountain. And I took my kids there, my um, young women, 
and young men there when we were in uh, Florida. And it was interesting to see how we would get to that point, and we really needed that iron rod to, in order to continue, a lot of us, because we weren't in good shape. And those people who I thought were in the best shape couldn't make it. And we, you know, we all were helping and encouraging people to move along that iron rod so that we could get to the top of the mountain. And I love that with this analogy as well, because the rod, uh, this is the iron rod is the way we're supposed to be going. And it isn't exclusive for us. And it isn't exclusive. Again, when we're talking about other people, we're supposed to be helping people to hold on to that rod. And I love also the, the difference between the people who held on to the rod and they were clinging to it and they got the tree of life and they partook of fruit and then they looked over at the, right. the great and spacious building and they fell away. And I think about that a lot. How many of us, you know, get ourselves into that thing? And the other thing was when the people came along and they held on tight to that rod and they got up to the tree of life and they partook of, but they, they knelt down before, and they took the, the fruit and then they knelt down. And I thought about that. What's the difference? And then I think about when Christ returns, what are we going to do when we see him? Aren't we going to kneel down and, and be grateful for him and all that he has done and grateful for the being able to be in his presence? And so is, what is it that makes some people stay and some people leave? I think it's because they are, it depends on whether we're strong enough to heed not the influence of that great and spacious building. Well, and that building is probably one of those great and abominable churches, right? Mm -hmm. A distraction like that. Um, it, in the scriptures, it lists what, the, what that church tries to do or what it participates in. It slays, tortures, binds down, and yokes. It desires gold, silver, silks, fine twined linen, mm. harlots. It destroys the saints for the praise of the world. Well, like you said, it 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 wants those things. Right. So people who have those things are of high value to them. Right. Yes. You know, you look at the world we live in, and whom are who are the role models that society props up? People who have a lot right. of money, who are really talented at something, and 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 you know, are like celebrities or, or sports stars or people, but their personal life is not, not all the time, but most <laughs> of the time is not in line with the teachings the teaching of the gospel. Yeah. And I think, yeah, we do. What, what, is, what is your goal in life? What do you want for out of life? And lots of us want to be secure with our money. We want to be sure that we can do these different things. We want to dress well, you know, the whole thing. We want to have bangles <laughs> and different kinds of things. And, and we those, want people I mean, to like us, yeah, right? We want right. people to look and at so us and say, hey, that guy is great or whatever. 
and we sometimes fall. We want the praise of the world a little bit. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but, but I think the Lord understands our nature. Yeah. And has given us counsel for every one of these scenarios. Uh -huh. One later on we'll read is, it's okay to seek after riches. Right. But first seek the kingdom of God. Exactly. And right? again, it comes down to attitude and where we are with these things. Are we adoring? Are these Have these become our gods? That we need to have money, that we need to have these things that we're devoting all of our time to the begin to supersede the yeah, gospel. And then, yeah. rather than doing what we should be doing, it doesn't say to you, I don't want you to have money. Right. <laughs> well, in the Book of Mormon, when they kept the commandments, they prospered in the land. Right. That's the great promise yep. that's sent to us. That we're being told the same thing. If you keep the commandments, you'll prosper in the land. The problem with that prosperity is once we get it, we think it was made by our means. Exactly. Right? And exactly. then we get prideful and then we stop counseling with the Lord and going to him. And then we put ourselves in spiritual bondage, which then becomes physical bondage in some cases. And then we're back at square one saying, how did I get into this terrible spot? Well, it's because Satan is the king of counterfeit. Exactly. He's he will give you all these things, um, or, or maybe you've earned all these things, but then he'll start to create confusion in you, right? He'll give you the ideas that it was all because of you. He'll give you the the temptations to pursue more of it than you need. Um, and you look at the early members of the church after Christ passed away, after he was uh, crucified. Um, a lot of them started to kind of say, well, what if we did baptisms this way? What if we did things a little bit differently? And the apostles were there to kind of say, hey, 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 let's straighten this back out again. This is the way it's supposed to be. Make sure that you're taking care of each other. Make sure that you're keeping each other faithful in the church and that you're sticking to the teachings of Christ. And then when they were all killed, there was no one to do that. Mm -hmm. And so Satan was counterfeiting left and right. This is a good thing. This is good right? You're, you're starting this war against another religion because you're doing it for Christ. And it's like we had three, four crusades, yes. you know, that were, that were enacted in the name of God on both sides. And it was like, neither one of this is, is right. Mm -hmm. This is a counterfeit. This is people doing things for power, for money, for influence, and under the guise of doing it in the name of God. And Satan's just sitting back saying, yeah, just put that layer, put that little coating of, yes, this is for, it's for God. It's not for you. It's for God. But it, it's a sentiment that hasn't gone away. No. no. We see people treating each other <clears throat> terribly for opposing political views. Mm -hmm. you know, oh, the, the best way to hurt you is to demonize you, to make you feel, oh, you're not with us, so you're not smart. Mm -hmm. And you see it on either side. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, and in the and that's the thing is, let me let me share this scripture with you guys and ask you a question. Okay. In Jacob chapter four, verse fourteen, as as we think about um, plain and precious truths are taken away, um, I I really think about the scripture where it says where Jacob chapter four verse fourteen he says, but behold the Jews were a stiff-necked people. And they despise the words of plainliness, plainness, sorry, and kill the prophets 
and sought for things that they could not understand. Wherefore, because of their blindness, which blindness came by looking beyond the mark, they must needs fall. So, my, my question is, why, why is that given to us? What, what are we to take away from that? What applies in our day? Because stiff-neckedness could be stubbornness or pridefulness, right? Uh, despise the words of plainness. <laughs> so if you despise the words of plainness, you like complicated things. You want to overcomplicate things, right? Kill the prophets or disregarded them. Right. Prophets? Nah, no, we don't need that. And sought for things that they could not understand. I would like to know how supernova becomes <laughs> this and that and spend all my years. I don't know. I, that's probably a great thing. I'm just using that. Yeah. Something or, I can't understand. Or maybe right? maybe more close to home. Maybe it's, yeah, I, I get the restoration and all that. But where's Kolob? Yeah. Right? Yes. I would like <laughs> we get the deep dog. I want to know the deep doctrine. Right. It's like what you don't even act. You don't even consistently do the basics. Right. And that's what I think that happens with this is that we we seek for these other things and people it's not that it's wrong to seek for knowledge and good things, you know, knowing all of these things. It's when you put that in front of the plainness. Right. You make it more important than the plainness of the gospel. <clears throat> and we forget about that. We we forget how plain it is, how simple it is, because we've become so complicated with things. I like to use my husband as one of these examples in that he he was a brilliant man, and uh, you could you could recite you know fourteen figures in front of him, and he would know what the answer was at the end. But asking him <laughs> a simple little question, he would carry it. <laughs> <laughs> to you, you couldn't understand where he had gone. <laughs> I'd say to him, "It's just easy, it's simple. All you have to do is think this way." And so it's also a part of people's thinking. It. He was a very. Once we joined the church, my husband was very devout and very spiritual, but he had this little complication with his brain <laughs> as well. And I think that we sometimes do. We look for things beyond our knowledge, beyond our capability. Or or it's it's not now. Yeah. It's not now. I think I like to think there's a reason why there's a veil before and after. Right. Because our focus is meant to be now. Yes. All of that matters. The, all the eternities absolutely matter, and we're on the path to get there. And that's the thing. Christ, he knows all these things, mm -hmm. but he doesn't give us everything. It's like with Moses. He says, I will tell you, and Moses starts asking and kind of reaching. Is it Moses or Abraham? Where, where he's receiving the vision of the worlds, and he says, they're innumerable, but they're numbered to me. Right. And then he says, and I won't tell you of those, but I'll tell you of yours. Right. Right? <laughs> and there's a little bit of correction and focus that for us now. And and I think people, you know, looking beyond the mark, I mean, it's fun. It's great. But it's not needed. And I think of my son, and I, you know, he's only eight. And a few times I've had him sit in my lap in a parking lot. And, he'll, and if I told him, go drive the car, he would do it. 
I know he would do it. <laughs> but he doesn't fully understand all the dangers. Exactly. And he doesn't understand that that is not for you now. That comes later. Well, and then there's always going to be people, maybe they do get a little bit of insight into something. They get some revelation for themselves. And then they they want to share it. And other people may not be at that level yeah. ready, yeah. you know. And so they, coupled with pride, that's a very dangerous thing <laughs> because you take this knowledge you've been given, you attach some pride to that, and then you start starting your own sect, right? You start starting your own following of, mm-hmm. I know this stuff, and I am a pioneer in this realm of the gospel, and you should come and read my book or listen to me speak or whatever. And it's like, well, but everyone needs to learn what they need to learn. And there's, like you said, there's nothing wrong with seeking knowledge, and there's nothing wrong with... Um, Asking questions and, and, and wanting to and know more. Firesides and inspirational yeah. oh. things. They all have a place. They do. And it is great. But how do you treat your wife? <laughs> how do you spend time with your kids? How do you read your scriptures? We, you know, I, I feel like there's, there's an order to things. Everything in its own due time. And there's... Exactly. And, and to some, I mean, our, our brethren, the... the the apostles, it's for them to travel around and help people and do things. And and that's not for me. No, not for me is to help yet. my deacons quorum, you know, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and I feel like we, we, you know, Nephi started small and he was trained to do great things. And likewise, in our lives, we can start small and we're trained to to I'm going to be a good father. I'm going to be a good minister, ministering person, a home teacher. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm going to carry on my calling. And in those things, there's just as much blessings and happiness as the greatest prophet. And in the end, we'll be judged according to our context, right? Right. According to what we knew, what we had exposure to. And he kind of touches on that in in the vision when he talks about the 12 disciples and the 12 Uh apostles. Where he's talking about these are the twelve apostles, the original that were called by by Christ Himself, and the Jews will be judged according to their words. And these are the twelve disciples here in the Americas, the the descendants of your seed, right? And your seed will be judged according to their words. And it kind of just it's really comforting to know that we have all of those words. We have the Bible. We have the Book of Mormon, and will be judged according to that which we've been taught, that 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 we know, that we have access to. And that's why we shouldn't be judging other people, because we have no idea where they are. And when I was um, in my conversion process, I wanted to know everything. I kept this poor, poor member of the church who was a <laughs> dear, dear friend of mine still. I would keep her on the phone for three hours discussing the gospel and wanting to know more and more and more. And she finally said to me, Elaine, you are trying to take an elephant's bite with a mouse's mouth. And we have to learn that we learn things line upon line. It's a line upon line, this training thing, precept upon precept. And some things you will not get right away because it's it's your training. You're not there yet. And other people have to understand that as well, that you are not there yet. 
and that you're being trained just as Nephi was being trained. We have to be trained as well, and we have to learn. I can remember some things were very difficult for me to begin with in the in my conversion process. And then a year later, it would be so much, you wonder, why did I question that? And so it's allowing that for yourselves as well. But knowing that we have the answers, we do have the answers. They may not be ready for you at the moment. And we want instant gratification. We want to know everything. We want to do everything right now. And that's not the way it works. We know that in the scriptures it says it takes time. And you have to do things and you have to learn things in God's time, not in our time. And if we can only remember that, that will keep us humble. (laughs) Because we, you know, it has to, you have to do that. You have to learn that it's God's time when he wants you to know certain things. He will answer your questions. You know, when when you were talking, I thought, thought came to me of how important it is that we know truth mm-hmm. we have things to face fa- place our faith in that are true but also this experience in life is to learn to use our agency and those two things together is what is how we live our religion yes. it's not enough to know but you have to do and you can't do just for doing sake, you have to know, you have to feel it. Mm-hmm. It's it's in the in finding the balance between those two things. Because there are times that you will have to do things that you're not sure and the answer comes later. Mm-hmm. The confirmation that, right. that that is the right thing. And then sometimes you may know, but you don't get out of bed and read your scriptures. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and so it's it's a battle that goes both ways. Sometimes you need to do and the knowing will follow. And sometimes you know, and you just need to stop and go do, right? <laughs> and that, that is different for everyone. And yes. for everyone is on a different plane, yeah, yeah path. Different, different path, exactly. That And that path is a narrow path, but there's still some curves yeah. <laughs> there. And, you can, and your path is not the same as mine. So, yeah. Well, if... It's the same, ultimately, I think. We all want to be with our families eternally. We want to do the things that we can do in this world to influence and help other people and also ourselves. But the way we get there, sometimes, even though we have this path, there are different things along the path where you can use your agency. But we're told we will one day receive a fullness of joy. Yes, we will. In that fullness, my fullness may be different than yours. Yes. Because I need to learn more about this and these topics that I'm deficient in. And those could be strengths for you. Right. And those strengths, then you have different deficiencies. And they're all okay because we're meant to work together, complement each other, and learn from each other. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And that's what the what Sunday school is all about too is we're learning from one another you know as as teachers in Sunday school it's to bring in all of these different kinds of things that people are experiencing which may help someone else 
you know, in the room. It may not, it, it may go completely over your head or you don't need that at all, but somebody else might need that. And so we're there to help one another in our process. Almost more as a facilitator than exactly. a teacher. Exactly, you know. yeah, exactly. Um, I would like to go over a little bit about the Book of Mormon and the plain and precious things. Yeah. And the reason I want to do that is because I am a convert. And the difference it was for me to learn these things from the, from the Book of Mormon. And it is so, so exciting to know these plain and precious things. I don't want to bash Catholicism because it was a strong point in my life and it gave me a great foundation. But on the other hand, everything was a mystery in Catholicism to me. You know, I, it was a whole, the thought of a Heavenly Father was not the way that it is now with me. So I love that in the Book of Mormon that we do get this information we know about the planet of happiness because of that we know about death and what happens afterwards we know about um, what happens um, in our post-mortal existence and how about the resurrection not only of Jesus Christ but of ourselves and our bodies we know that um, our Judgment by God will be according to our de desires and our deeds and our works as well as, as because of the um, atonement. We know about ordinances and how important they are. And we know about the atonement, as I said, the atonement and resurrection of Jesus Christ, about the eternal nature of priesthood. And I think that it's exciting to know about priesthood and the powers of the priesthood that we learn from the Book of Mormon, because that wasn't there. We had a priest who was, you know, um, he was in the, he had gone through school and that kind of thing, and but you know, they taught us different kinds of things than to have priesthood power. What is priesthood power? And we get that from the Book of Mormon and how human behavior is influenced more by the power of word rather than war and sword. Right. I just think, ah, those are all such exciting things to learn from the Book of Mormon. It's right here in, in our manuals, and I think that it's um, something that we should remember. We can remember that, that the Book of Mormon also refutes the notion that Revelation ends with the Bible, right. that infants have to be baptized, and um, individual goodness is adequate for exaltation. People think that all you have to do is all you have to do is say that I believe in Jesus Christ. You don't have to do anything more. And people, my sister tried to get me to, <laughs> she wanted me just to say it. And I said, that's not enough, you know. And the fall of Adam tainted mankind with original sin. And that was what I was brought up with. And that happiness can be found in wickedness. Everybody will try to influence you about that. Oh, have a little drink. It will make you feel good. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know. 
So I, I'm excited about those things as well. Those are things that we can get out of the Book of Mormon. Yeah, I, I really like um, the one you mentioned about the original sin. Because I was raised in Venezuela and all my family was Catholic. Mm -hmm. and it's, it's a big thing to believe that Adam and Eve really, really messed up. Yes. And that's not the case. No. We knew we needed an experience where we could be tested, where we had to choose for ourselves. And and we view it now with the knowledge as as a great act of courage, right? And, and that just as little babies are alive in Christ, it says in Verona, they are alive in me. When we get to that part of the Book of Mormon, it's just... It's so beautiful how he explains that the Lord is aware of everyone. And that's for me, for for religions, the, the thing that as I was looking at religions and as I learn about religions, the thing that puts, it's very off-putting to me, is that they all feel like a very exclusive club. Yes. yes. Every single one has exclusivity. And the... the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is the religion of Christ telling us there's a place for everyone. I have counted. I died for everyone. And everyone gets an opportunity, whether here or after, everyone is coming. And there are some people who have felt that that for them may not always be true. Mm -hmm. There are some people who have felt I don't I didn't feel like I was welcome or that I belonged there. But that's not what the church teaches and that's not what the Church of Jesus Christ is about. That might be individuals and their lack of understanding and, and maybe some narrow-mindedness making you feel that way. That might be some people that reject you for the challenges you're facing in life. But that is not what the church is about. Well, the church is all-encompassing and welcoming of everyone. Exactly. In a little bit, in a couple more lessons, we'll learn a little bit about where we're taught there's opposition in all things, mm -hmm. which means that there are influences that want you to feel like you are cast off. Mm -hmm. Well, who do you think is the author <laughs> of all of that? Well, yeah. <laughs> Satan and his angels, right? Of course. They want us to be discouraged just like they are. <laughs> well, and even in our wards, uh -huh. even amongst members, even me, I felt it at times. Now you've done too much. There's no turning back. Yeah. And I always have to ask myself, what, what am I feeling, filling my life with to be able to feel those influences. Because when I feel my life with the scriptures, with good music, with with service, with, with just trying, not being perfect, mm -hmm. but trying to do better and keep the Lord around, I don't feel those feelings. Or when they come, they come and they leave quickly. Mm -hmm. I think they dwell when it's almost like a radio station. When we filled our life with the world radio station and the noise, it will drown out the still and the small voice. Right. That, that, and that's the funny thing is the Savior is the one interested in telling us where we are and telling us where we need to go. But he never does it in a way that it's discouraging, that feels insurmountable. That, that's not his way. You know, he takes us all 
and loves us where we do feel we can do it. We are optimistic, right? And that's, I think, what the important thing for us to remember is that, as we were talking before about our our church is not exclusive, that people can come who have smoked. People can come, if, even if they smoked that morning, even if they have drunk coffee that morning, they are still welcome in our church, in, in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And I think that it's uh, most important for us to remember that, that um, Jesus Christ does not stand there and point his finger at you. You notice that with all of his teachings and his ministering, he didn't point a finger at people. He just, he embraced them. He gave them love. And then he said, thy sins are forgiven thee. And so I think that that's something that we should remember. We are not the judges. We are, again, here to to give them the, the joy of the good news. In his earthly ministry in Jerusalem, who did he spend his time with? Right. And he was criticized the most. And the ones that came under greatest condemnation were those who had the law uh-huh. and looked beyond the mark or didn't apply it correctly or used it to beat up others. Right. And that's where we should take caution is that Knowing the truth, having the Book of Mormon, having prophets and apostles and having the truth doesn't become a rod that we beat others with. Right. Oh, you know, you don't you don't know what you're, you know, and and it's no, that's not the way Christ did it. And so that's not the way we should do it. Can we just discuss one more thing? Absolutely. Why do we need the Book of Mormon? Why is it important that we need the Book of Mormon? And I'm taking it out of our manual again. From uh, Ted Callister has has talked about it, and we're so talk about the Bible versus the Book of Mormon, and why we need the Book of Mormon. Well, I think all those clarifications you gave us before are very needed, but for me, is I think it's a testimony that Joseph Smith was a prophet Mm -hmm. and that the restoration is real and that it really happened. And and that is the test to know if he's a true prophet because he could be a false prophet. And in the scriptures, it tells us by their fruits, you'll know them. And the Book of Mormon is that fruit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think um, along with that, within the text itself, for me, one of the biggest, most meaningful things is the Book of Mormon talks more about the personal interactions of prophets with Heavenly Father and the influence that the Holy Ghost has on them and what it can have on us as well. In the Bible, we hear about Saul riding his horse and then getting stopped, and he has this interaction with the Lord. But we don't really get a whole lot of insight into what the Holy Ghost, how the Holy Ghost worked with him mm-hmm. and worked on his spirit to make that change happen. And we do get that in the Book of Mormon with like Alma the Younger, where he's basically stricken down for three days, you know, and in that he talks about the turmoil that he went through and the recollection of all his things and then the forgiveness that he received and how the Holy Ghost works. And I think just within the text, right, even besides the existence of it, within the text, there are certain things, the way it's written in, in the in the experiences that are shared that 
we don't really get from the Bible. And they all testify of Jesus Christ. That that's the whole point. It's not to testify of Moroni, right? <laughs> Even though it does testify of him as a prophet, the whole point is to refer back to Jesus Christ as our Savior. And um, I, I just find that really important to me. Yeah, and as a convert again, you know, using the Bible as an example, having just the Bible, we have so many influences, as we've talked about before, the influences from the great and abominable church and the Crusades, all kinds of things, all kinds of people who had their say. And uh, I'll give you another example of how uh, a friend of mine was a was an organist, and she was a member of the church, but she played the organ for a Presbyterian church. And one time when she was over there um, practicing, she overheard the elders talking about the Holy Ghost, and somebody said, well, I don't understand anything about the Holy Ghost. And they said, well, let's just forget it then. And so it was that kind of thing, you know, where uh, either you're going to change it, what it, its true meaning was, or you can just forget it. But with the Book of Mormon, we have, um, it is a test, another testament of Jesus Christ. And there's a straight line. So with the Bible, we have lots of influences. But with the Book of Mormon, we have a straight straight uh, influence from and and you know that there haven't been a lot of changes made to accommodate the times you know or right. any of anything like that and uh, that is that's just uh, comforting to me to know that and it also of course increases my testimony about the Book of Mormon and Joseph Smith is a prophet there's we are so lucky and that is, you know, I, I'm just so grateful for my testimony and for the, all the things that I've learned, and I'm looking forward to learning so much more, you know. And, and there's more to come. Yes. We have Doctrine and Covenants. We have the Progate Price. And we have other sheep that are not of this fold. Yeah. And that, that, for me, is so comforting yeah. to know this isn't, this isn't an exclusive story. Right. And we yet don't know all the miracles and all the influences and all the prophets that have been on the earth, right? And how fortunate we are to have a prophet on the earth today who can guide us in these times. It's not that he's changing things. He's just enlightening us as to what we need to know for this period of time in our lives. And the restoration that, is continuing, yes. right? That restoration, we, we view it as an, a singular event of the first vision, or maybe it was when the Book of Mormon was published, or maybe it was when the first temple was built, or maybe it was when they arrived in Salt Lake, or maybe, you know, no, yeah. it's all of oh, that, right. and it's still happening, right? Exactly. We're still experiencing improvement. The, the um, institution of ministering and in the institution of come follow me those are all steps in the path of restoring the true gospel exactly. i think it's so wise that heavenly father and jesus christ give us the sacrament every week to be introspective and choose to change mm -hmm. and remember mm -hmm. and if we're to do that our whole life can you think why they would want us to get in a habit of being introspective and looking for improvement? And we, you know, for me, I think 
when the second coming happens and Christ is here in the millennial and even after that, and there will be change and then there will be more. God's way is an eternal realm. It's eternal progression. And, and we need to stop thinking of, I just need to do this one thing. I just need to, you need to become. The Book of Mormon is truly the keystone of our religion. And that a man and woman will get nearer to God by abiding by its precepts than by any other book. And if you then go and do what he would have you do, your power to trust him will grow. And in time, you will be overwhelmed with gratitude to find that he has come to trust you. There is no end to the good we can do to the influence we can have with others. Let us not dwell on the critical or the negative. Let us pray for strength. Let us pray for capacity and desire to assist others. Let us radiate the light of the gospel at all times and in all places that the spirit of the Redeemer may radiate from us. My dear brothers and sisters, Jesus Christ invites us to take the covenant path back home to our heavenly parents and be with those we love. He invites us to come, follow me.